Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> ah, I am grateful to be connecting with you today, transcending time and space as we do. And what a blessing. So grateful. So grateful for the power of forgiveness in my life. And that's what we're talking about today. Miraculous power of forgiveness. Powerful, transcendent, transformative. Let's get into it. So I always like to begin with a blessing. We take a breath of love and gratitude. We place our hand on our heart and we gratefully, thankfully recognize the power of forgiveness to heal our mind, to heal our heart, to heal our ancestors, to heal all of our beliefs, to heal all perceptions, all projections, and to heal them back to the root cause so we never experience them again. We are partnering up with that higher Holy Spirit self in order to undo all the consequences of any and all wrong decisions that we have ever made. Any time that we have ever pushed love aside and made a choice for something unloving, we are choosing forgiveness here and now for ourselves, for our brothers and sisters, for all humanity Past, present, future, we are saying yes to permanent transformative healing. We are grateful, grateful, grateful to play our part. And we are grateful to let the past go. We share the benefits with everyone. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Indeed. <laughs> Indeed, so grateful. Okay, so let's dive right into this and what I've been directed to talk about today to investigate is uh, chapter 27, section 2 in the text and it's entitled The Fear of Healing. And it begins like this, is healing frightening to many? Yes, for accusation is a bar to love, and damaged bodies are accusers. Now I'm going to put a little uh, warning here because I know that in spiritual community and generally, people who have experiences and challenges with the body, illness, and the emotional body, depression, manic depression, all different kinds of challenges that folks have, we judge ourselves, we feel like a failure, we feel like we don't know what we're doing, other people have got this, but we don't have it, and uh, certainly that's how I used to feel. Some people feel it in their relationships. Why am I still single? Why can't I have a happy marriage? Why do my children dislike me? Everybody's got their stuff. Everybody has their stuff. So... The temptation is to think that we're a failure because of what is happening or not happening in the circumstances of our lives, including our bodies. And I've come to look at it completely differently, that each one of us has chosen curriculum that we've worked out with that higher Holy Spirit self, and it's in our script. A Course in Miracles tells us the script has already been written, and we're actually reviewing it, that it's already happened. And people have been asking me recently, a number of people, well, I don't get that. So I'm going to break that down real quick here. I, I'm sure I've done podcast episodes on it, but I... I don't know what they're called right now. Uh, um, it's probably if you search in my archive at livingacourseofmiracles.com or in your podcast app, 
if you look for script, you might be able to find some things like that. But uh, essentially, the script is very complicated. There are so many different possibilities and permutations. And our job, as I see it, is to explore them. We're explorers. Uh, We're like Star Trek Enterprise going where humanity has never gone before, to the depths of depravity and to the heights of unity. So we're exploring consciousness and what happens in this world stays in this world. It's like Neo in the Matrix when he's learning jujitsu. It seems like he's experiencing it in his body, but it's all happening in the mind. The matrix is in the mind. So I'm going to talk about healing here, and specifically people can think of it as physical healing. But when Jesus talks about the sick, people feel sick about their relationships. People feel sick about their self-esteem. People feel sick about their finances. So it just applies to any place where we feel like we're failing, that we are not exhibiting joy and happiness and health and harmony. We're exhibiting something else that we don't like and we feel like a failure. So this is not just about people who have physical illness, not at all. And I truly am 100% convinced that folks, especially who have physical illness challenges and mental illness challenges, emotional illness challenges, that they are so intent on awakening, so intent on awakening that they have in their script these challenges that are going to go with them every single day so they do not get distracted from the purpose of their life which is to accept the atonement, to accept the unity of all life. So that's that's the way I see it. Now, again, chapter 27, section 2, the fear of healing. Is healing frightening to many? Yes. For accusation is a bar to love. So what does that mean? Accusation is a bar to love. So accusation, which is attack, which is judgment, is a bar to love. It is a block to love. Then he goes on to say, and damaged bodies are accusers. So he's saying that folks who are experiencing a damaged body are judging and they're accusing. But the thing is to understand here is they're not, everybody's a judger and accuser in this world. He said that when we went over the laws of chaos recently, he says in there, no one in this world is without judgment. No one. And think of it this way, from a spiritual perspective, let's say in a previous incarnation, you were mean, judgmental, attacking person who didn't care about others. And you said, okay, when you were between bodies, you said, all right, this judgment thing, this attacking thing, this accusing thing, I'd like to rid myself of it. So what can I put in my script that is going to keep me on track and give me a chance to just completely focus uh, so that I'm... uh, eliminating all temptation to accuse. Because I know for me, I I had this realization many years ago. Uh, I I was doing the science of mind training, the practitioner training at Agape. I got a, a, a flu, a bad cold, and I felt terrible, had a fever and whatnot. And I was going around my home saying, oh, my God, I feel horrible. Oh, my God, this is horrible. Oh, no, this is awful. I feel just, this is such pain. And I just kept all this, oh, my God, I can't believe how sick I am, like that. And then all of a sudden I heard myself and I went, 
Whoa. Whoa. If every thought has creative power in in this world, that's how Ernest Holmes talked about it, then I got to change my thinking so I can get well unless I would like to be sick. And one of the things I did notice back then was, and I, I noticed this generally, I have found that my body gets sick when I need to rest my body so I can just be still in my mind. And I also, if I uh, holding on to a grievance, I'm going to feel unwell. And the third thing is when I'm making a leap in consciousness, sometimes I will have some kind of sinus infection or something like that. It's like the upper chakras. So um, that's been my experience is that being unwell has supported my growth in consciousness. So back to Jesus here. He says the accusation accusation for accusation is a bar to love a block to love and damaged bodies are accusers they stand firmly in the way of trust and peace proclaiming that the frail have no trust and that the damaged have no ground for peace no grounds for peace so how are they proclaiming this? They're proclaiming this by just living their lives. They're the living demonstration. And, but I would say, I would make the case that anyone who is experiencing any kind of a disturbance, whether it's financial illness, like I said, you know, that you're, you're, uh, experiencing, uh, chronic debting or um, someone who has chronic relationship issues, whatever we have, and we all have stuff. There's no one on this planet that I have ever met that doesn't have stuff. And I point to the Dalai Lama because we think, oh, the Dalai Lama raised by monks and uh, lamas and living in this pristine world he would have no problems he would have no health problems he would have no life problems no finance problems no enemies well we know for a fact that he does have health issues from time to time and he does have enemies in this world so i think it's I feel it's so important for us not to judge ourselves for anything ever at any time. But the ego training we have is that if we don't judge ourselves for what we consider our shortcomings and our failures, then we'll just keep repeating them because there's no consequence. There's no punishment because we believe in a world of punishment. This is another thing we were talking about in the laws of chaos. And it is one of the strongest thoughts in the ego thought system is that anyone should be punished for their unloving choices. And inevitably, everyone will make unloving choices. Inevitably. Well, that's not helpful. That is not helpful. It's this anticipation of the unloving choices and the focus on the unloving choices and say, okay, I might be unloving, but that person is even more unloving than me. Or that person is so good and I'm so bad. We're, we're vacillating around inside these mental patterns and the way out of all of it is forgiveness. Who has been damaged by his brother and could love and trust him still? Right? If you perceive that you've been injured by somebody, 
How could you love and trust them still? He has attacked and will attack again. This is what we have done. We have done this, so we do not trust ourselves. And uh, all doubt is self-doubt. And all that distrust is a distrust of ourselves. But we can heal that if we put the Holy Spirit in charge. He says, protect him not, the attacker, because your damaged body shows that you must be protected from him. To forgive may be an act of charity, but not his due. So he doesn't deserve our forgiveness, the one who's attacked us. He may be pitied for his guilt, but not exonerated. And if you forgive him his transgressions, you but add to all the guilt he has really earned. So think about this. Think about somebody you really care about that you also felt has hurt you, maybe intentionally hurt you. Maybe they didn't acknowledge you, didn't seem to care, did something that really wounded you, but you love them. And you've gone on, you've managed to repair the relationship, but there's not true forgiveness you still don't trust you're still wary so the thought is you feel like well yes I've forgiven that but if you're still wary if you're still holding something in your heart that they can't be trusted and maybe little desires to get them back, ping them back. There is no true forgiveness. And and I feel, since this happens so often, and certainly part of my experience for sure, let me not condemn myself for my experience, for where I'm, I am in my heart, in my mind. Let me instead... Simply go to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, it is my desire to be free of all attack thoughts. It is my desire to be free of all accusations and any need to hold anybody accountable. Let them hold themselves accountable. Let me just walk in this world loving Because those who are truly loving are invulnerable. That's where I'd like to be. Without ever feeling, ever, ever feeling that I need to protect myself in any experience, in any situation. Holding no grievances whatsoever. The promise in Lesson 68, Love Holds No Grievances, is that those who forgive will remember who they are. I would like to remember who I am for my own awakening and to support my brothers and sisters because remembering who I am, I can remember who they are. That will help them remember who they are and they will no longer wish to attack anyone. This is my job. I work for God Incorporated and this is what my life is for. That's where I am living. In paragraph 2, Jesus says, The unhealed cannot pardon, for they are the witnesses that pardon is unfair. They would retain the consequences of the guilt they overlook, yet no one can forgive a sin that he believes is real. So, can we actually forgive if our mind is still holding on to grievances? And then 
if we're still holding on to grievances, then we are naturally going to think or unnaturally going to think that forgiveness, pardoning, is unfair because they don't deserve it based on what they did. But pardoning is not saying things are okay. In fact, I'll just mention I've got a forgiveness three-part class coming up this week. And if you miss it, you're listening to this later, you can get the downloads. It's a three-part class. And, oh, I'll also mention if if you sign up for Masterful Living in uh, 2021, then you um, can get it for free can participate for free. Also, Undoing Unworthiness, uh, my class series in December. Those are both bonuses for anybody who registers for Master for Living this week. Uh, I'm just doing it as an incentive so people will commit and come in and do this work now with me before the year ends. So these are free classes that are bonuses for anybody who registers this week. Uh, and obviously, if you register next week, um, you you know, there's still a lot of good, but I'm, tr- I'm trying to incentivize people to do this forgiveness work before the holidays. And so, um, yeah, but you can also just do the forgiveness classes. They're open to everyone. All the details at jenniferhadley.com. So the consequences of the guilt uh, are the not feeling worthy of love, uh, not feeling worthy of healing, not feeling worthy of goodness, so many consequences. And so when we look at our brothers and sisters and we think, yeah, they don't really deserve forgiveness for what they've done, What we're doing is we're locking in our own failures in life. Because if we deny it to our brothers and sisters, we have to deny it to ourselves. And this is what the miracle of forgiveness is all about. Because when we really are able to make a quantum leap in consciousness to the place where love holds no grievances, love is what we are, and It is my job in life. It is my absolute job in life to completely give to the Holy Spirit every and all grievances that I've ever had, even the ones I don't remember. All the little pings throughout my childhood and my teenage years, my those resentments and regrets that are tucked into my awareness. We had a beautiful experience recently where someone in Masterful Living was sharing something that happened to them now as as an adult, as a grandmother, that they got really triggered and it was something that actually was related to when they were a child. And so this is how our life script is written, that if we don't forgive that thing, that resentment from childhood, somewhere along the way, we're going to get triggers that we may not even know are related to those past things, could be past life. So every single trigger that we have is a healing miracle waiting to happen. Remember, Course in Miracles tells us that the healing is at the level of the mind and that miracles are shifts in thinking when we give up the ego thinking and we embrace the Holy Spirit thinking. So I I like to use the affirmation, I only think the thoughts I think with God to help clear my mind when I'm focused on some kind of irritation or, or upset of any kind. So is it a tall order to forgive everything in all directions of time and space? Yeah. Yeah, you bet it is. And that's why we put the Holy Spirit in charge. We don't do it ourselves. Uh, 
And I'd like to give a shout out and and a, a commendation to folks who are in class with me and who are doing extraordinary forgiveness work, extraordinary forgiveness work. And they are on it. They're working on it every day. This is what our spiritual practice is about, is doing this work every single day. And uh, initially, it can feel very daunting, right? But when you've got a whole team of people and you've got all the tools that you need, you just keep doing it and it becomes so joyful because you start lightening up and lightening up and lightening up. And the chronic issues of illness and financial failure and emotional failure, relationship failure, career failure, creativity failure, happiness failure, all of that dissolves and resolves permanently. And it really works. That is the miracle of forgiveness. Yes. It is time for me to take a break. I'm all fired up. (laughs) I'm Jennifer Hadley, and you're listening to A Course of Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're living the love, we're walking the talk, and I will be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. And we're back. Yes, we are. So grateful for the miraculous power of forgiveness. Yes, indeed. I have witnessed so much miraculous healing of all kinds, finances, relationships, mental, depression, uh, all kinds of emotional healing and transformation of the body temple uh, because people have done the forgiveness work and everything spirals together because let's face it, if you're really worried and fearful about your body, that actually takes away energy that you would have to heal the body. And it can also wreak havoc in our relationships. People already know this. Also, similarly, people have issues uh, in their finances and it can wreak havoc in their health and their relationships. Uh, People have fear about their um, abilities and they're worried and afraid and then they have issues with their jaw and their teeth And this just goes all different kinds of ways. So we know this. And honestly, if I were to say one thing and one thing only, forgiveness heals everything. Because everything that seems like a mistake or a problem or a worry or a doubt or a fear, every bit of it actually is unforgiveness. It is the result of unforgiveness. It is the result of holding grievances, whether the grievances are against someone else or a corporate entity or uh, the ancestors or ourselves. I was thinking about this the other day that uh, many years ago I had the worst guilt experience ever in my life Uh, and uh, I was taking care of a friend's dog and the friend's dog was an old dog and um, a wonderful dog and um, he was gone away for the weekend I was taking care of the dog and the dog was known to sometimes have these um, seizures. And he would go sometimes into long, long fits of seizures. And it so happened that uh, one night as I was just going to bed late one night 
the dog started to seizure. So he was vomiting and uh, he was in the kitchen and he just managed to cover that floor with everything, bodily fluids. And he was, his body was seizuring and it just seemed so horrible and painful. And I spent the entire night on the floor with him, um, holding him, caring for him. And, um, until the seizuring stopped and, uh, cleaned out everything up and he was exhausted as was I, we rested. And then, um, and I, I had, I, I, if I remember, I was on the phone with the emergency vet and in touch with his personal vet. Uh, and in the morning I said, you know, what do you think? I have an appointment. I need to leave for a couple hours. Is that going to be okay? Is that going to be okay? And, um, the vet said, yeah, he's just going to rest now. He'll be fine. And, um, so I put him outside. It's a lovely day. I wasn't gone that long, maybe two hours. And I came back and he had moved and he was in terrible shape. I could tell immediately, like, I've got to get him to the vet right this second. This also was a very big dog very big, very heavy dog that I did not have, and it was completely incapacitated. I did not have the capacity to lift him into my car. Um, But I prayed to God. I prayed to the angels. I said, I have to have the strength to lift this dog right now, right now in this very moment. I can't wait for anybody to come. So it was a miracle. I managed to lift him into the car without... (laughs) damaging him or anything like that it was a total miracle and I took him to his vet and um and then he he was in really bad shape really bad shape he did manage to recover to some degree but it was really bad and I felt so guilty that I left him for those two hours, even though the vet was like, definitely not a problem. Go ahead. You'll be fine. Because that happened while I was gone, I felt so guilty. I felt so guilty. And I felt selfish. I felt all of these things. And it was a giant trigger. And my friend Really, I think he also felt I shouldn't have left. I should have known better, even though the vet said it was okay. And had he been there, he would have left. He would have. He really would have. But he felt guilty. And it was the end of our friendship. It really was. It was the end of our friendship right around there because he just, I think he just felt so, like, I don't know. And... All this stuff got triggered, and I didn't understand it all at the time. But now I do. That that guilt was really not about the dog. It wasn't about my friend. It was about me believing that I was not a good person. I was not a loving person. And that was coming into my awareness so strongly and so intensely because I needed to let that thought and belief go in order to move into the next phase of my life, which was becoming a science of mind practitioner and minister. So I had to forgive myself, and it took me a year to forgive myself, to move into that place where I could stop judging and attacking myself and truly feel free of it because oh it was a horrible horrible feeling and I had never experienced anything like that before and I had never have since of just this deep deep intense guilt so 
if you're feeling guilty, and many people do, people feel guilty because of all kinds of things. They feel guilty because they should have gone to their friend's father's funeral. They feel guilty because, or I should say we feel guilty because of things like we should provide more for our children. We should have a cleaner house. If I do my spiritual practice, but the house is unclean, I'm going to feel guilty. I'm going to feel bad. So the ego thought system is just one thought after another to either make us feel less than or better than. It's just that. It's just a sequence of less than and better than thinking. And none of it is worthwhile. None of it is helpful. So forgiveness, self-forgiveness, is the way to experience miraculous healing, miraculous transformation. It's all about the forgiveness. So when we are experiencing this tremendous guilt, forgiveness is the way. I have my free um, How to Get Over It workshop on the homepage at jenniferhadley.com. It's got all kinds of tools in it. I encourage you, if this sounds like you, please, please, please work on this. Free yourself, because when you free yourself, you free everybody else. And the other thing is, as we're we're just about to come up to the Thanksgiving holiday, and for, uh, I know here in Vermont, the there's a little bit of snow in the air this morning. Um, here in Vermont, the governor has said, do not have gatherings for Thanksgiving. Don't do it. Just keep to your own. The people you live with do not gather with more than two people unless you're already living with them. And my friend and I were saying, "Did you, you know? who would ever think the governor would ever tell you something like that, some kind of message like that? But uh, here in Vermont, we don't have a lot of virus, and we'd like to keep it that way. And having in people from out of town and stuff like that can be uh, a way the virus will travel. So we there's going to be a lot of guilt coming up for healing because so many people have passed away. People feel, imagine... Uh, the folks, or don't imagine it, but just there are many folks out there who have transmitted the virus to others and feel guilty about it. I'm sure of that. And we can forgive all of it, all of it. Forgiveness does not now, nor will it ever mean that what you did is okay. It's really moving into that place of there's nothing for me to judge. I'm not going to hold any grievances or any regrets. I am not judging. I am not judging. Uh, And Jesus used the word here, pardon. But to me, I I don't know. I, I think the way we've come to use the word pardon is we say, there's a sin. I'm going to pardon it. But what Jesus is teaching us in A Course in Miracles is there is no sin. There is nothing to forgive. Simply the judgment to release. That's how I say it. So, the unhealed cannot pardon, for they are witnesses that pardon is unfair. They would retain the consequences of the guilt they overlook. Yet no one can forgive a sin that he believes is real. And what has consequences must be real, because what it has done is there to see. So this is what I'm talking about with someone has spread the virus, right? And people have died. The consequences are there to see. But if we can really get 
that we are experiencing an illusion. It is like the matrix. We're running the software to have the experiences that have consequences. But what happens in this world stays in this world. It's not permanent and it's not real. He says, forgiveness is not pity, which but seeks to pardon what it thinks to be the truth. Good cannot be returned for evil, for forgiveness does not first establish sin and then forgive it. Who can say and mean, my brother, you have injured me, and yet, because I am the better of the two, I pardon you my hurt. His pardon and your hurt cannot exist together. One denies the other and must make it false. So, somebody does something hurtful to you with intention to hurt. We can look at it we experience it. We There may be consequences. Somebody's house burns down. There's a lot of consequences. Somebody steals your money. There are some consequences. And yet, if we can hold that everything works together for good and there are no exceptions, would we be able to to look at it without any judgment whatsoever. And, catch this, every judgment that we do have is a false belief coming up for healing. This is deep work. This is really, really deep work. Looking at these false beliefs and why do we hold on to them? What is it about them that's important to us? that we keep holding on to them, these grievances, these regrets, the guilt, the blame, the shame. Can we let it all go to the Holy Spirit for healing? Would you be willing right now to make a pact with yourself to hold no grievances? And for me, that's my pact with myself and still... I see that things bother me. I see that they come up for healing. I see that I have a judgment and then I can release it. And this is how every day I feel more peace, more joy, and more love because I'm taking out more trash, more clutter from my mind and from my heart. So Jesus says here, this is paragraph three now, to witness sin and forgive it is a paradox that reason cannot see. For it maintains what has been done to you deserves no pardon. And by giving it, you grant, by giving the pardon, by forgiving, you grant your brother mercy, but retain the proof he is not really innocent. The sick remain accusers. Okay, so I'm going to say this, that what I see in the world today, it's coming up for healing, is that we have figures on the world stage that we blame for problems and that there's anger and fear and resentment about a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of judgment. And what is coming up for healing is the unloving thoughts. What is coming up for healing is the need to punish, to attack, to shame. And all of that is coming up for healing. And if we think it's going to go away by managing the circumstances, by voting one person in and another person out, by punishing this one or limiting that one, restricting this one, uh, all of these kinds of... No, there's not going to be any healing that way. The only way we're going to have healing is to recognize that 
There are no sinners. No one needs to be punished. Course in Miracles calls for correction rather than punishment. So if we can hold in our mind, let all the errors of our unloving choices be corrected in our mind. Let that be true for me. Let that be true for you. Let that be true for all humanity. Then we're all going to have a healing and the divisiveness will no longer be needed. Right now, the divisiveness is needed to help us recognize what's coming up for healing. It becomes more and more painful because we're resisting the healing. We're resisting doing just what Jesus is telling us here. He says, again, we're in chapter 3, The sick remain accusers. They cannot forgive their brothers and themselves as well. For no one in whom true forgiveness rests can suffer. He holds not the proof of sin before his brother's eyes. And thus he must have overlooked it and removed it from his own. Forgiveness cannot be for one and not the other. Who forgives is healed. And in his healing lies the proof that he has, he has truly pardoned and retains no trace of condemnation that he still would hold against himself or any living thing. Yes, this is what we're talking about. So, let's prove God. Let's really prove that this works. Let's prove that we can do it, that we have what it takes, because we are one with the Holy Spirit, one with the infinite. He goes on to say in paragraph 4, Forgiveness is not real unless it brings a healing to your brother and yourself. You must attest his sins have no effect on you to demonstrate they are not real. Catch that. You must attest his sins have no effect on you to demonstrate they are not real. How else could he be guiltless? What if someone who has been attacked... So, for instance... um, Alan Cohen did our Sundays with Spirit uh, this past Sunday, and uh, just wonderful. You can get the replay, Sundays with Spirit, jenniferhadley.com. And um, he was talking about how there was a woman who had been attacked by her boyfriend. She was a model, and he took a razor blade to her face, and he cut her face very badly. I remember that. I was living in New York at the time. And he talked about how this uh, philanthropist paid for her surgery and how he loved to, this guy, he would read the newspaper and see it as his prayer requests, things he could help people with. Some people in this world, they have experiences like this young woman did, or like uh, I think of the father whose son was shot and killed by this other man's grandson and how the grandfather and the father became friends teaching forgiveness. I can't think of their names right now. And they were traveling around and speaking. Uh, They wrote a book about it. People have experiences that are tragic and huge in the lesson of forgiveness to teach us all. And so... In this world, it helps us to be able to recognize this world is an illusion when we have experiences that are so emotionally and mentally and physically confrontive that we either forgive or we are tortured. And many people have been taught to torture themselves with the unforgiveness, with the guilt, the blame, the shame, the regrets and the resentments, that if they let it go, 
they would be in some way saying, hey, it's okay, you can do whatever you want to me, I don't mind. Or in some way saying, that person uh, deserves to be forgiven. They don't deserve to be punished. But that's precisely the truth of it. They do decide deserve to be forgiven. They don't deserve to be punished. Correction is the way. Rehabilitation is the way, and we have a skewed idea of it in this world. But as we do our own inner work, the world is raised up. All boats rise on this tide of love. So he says here, Sins are beyond forgiveness just because they would entail effects that cannot be undone and overlooked entirely. In their undoing lies the proof that they are merely errors. Let yourself be healed that you may be forgiving, offering salvation to your brother and yourself. When we are willing to let the grievances go, All kinds of healing breaks out in our life. The answered prayer requires true forgiveness. And this is a rigorous spiritual practice. And I find that most people really shrink back from doing it. It is not for the timid. And that's why it is the focus of my work and our community. And it brings so much healing. That's what we can do this Thanksgiving We can be grateful that we can forgive and that we can get the tools to do it. You can get my free How to Get Over It workshop. You can take my forgiveness class this week. You can sign up for Masterful Living and and make that commitment that next year you're going to focus on your spiritual practice and make it the most tremendously healing year ever. You'd be so welcome to join us. And I thank you to all the people who signed up for the Course in Miracles text messages, those who donate, and I thank you. I love you. Let's pray. So grateful to place my hand on my heart and say yes to forgiveness, yes to miraculous healing now. We truly share the benefits of our life of love with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. I love you.